Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Thanks for tuning in. This is Will Strayhorn. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. It is Wednesday, March 14th, 2018. Coming to you live and direct from WODU Studios on the campus of Old Dominion University. I'm sorry, I have hiccups, everybody. It's all right. Don't apologize. I have something called persistent hiccups. Leave it to me. I've had them for two weeks. I had them in 2016 for a month. Mm. They do not know what is going on. I'm not dealing well. Can't sleep, can't eat, can't talk. But I'm here. Oh, I'm yes. Here. And I'm here in the studio with my, my girls. It's like a studio full of oh estrogen. God, estrogen. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. We have Miss Paula B. Hey. hey, babe. Hey, baby. Rhonda Aarons. I haven't seen you all year. I know. Happy yeah. New Year. Yes. <laughs> Nikki Curry. And she brought her troop. My girl Ray is back from school with her roommate. Welcome to the studio. And then I want you to introduce your mentee. Yes, this is my mentee, Alexis, and she is excited to be here. She's into fashion, so she's in the right right place, meeting the right person. And, um, yeah, she has a lot going on and a good thing. And then last but not least, we have Miss Jada Carson. How are you doing? Back from from spring break, right? Oh, it was early spring break. Where you did absolutely nothing, you said, unfortunately. Sorry, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just Sorry need to rest. hear that. My spring break starts next week, and I'm so glad. Yeah, because then I'll be starting my last four classes and graduating in August. I'm so excited, so that means I have to plan another party. You I'm do. Excited. Bigger. Bigger. Yes, yeah. this is going to be like a huge party. <laughs> I'm going to be at this one. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I Let's go change. into our first topic of the cold day. Cold yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to be there. Come on. So much going on. I've been wanting to talk to you guys about... A lot of things, a lot of personal things I want to talk about right, that I know right. affects everybody. And then there's some things in the news. We're going to start out with this thing I didn't, I didn't even know happened today, the walkout. The walkout. The walkout. So basically what the walkout um, was, it was students mm-hmm. um, in Florida. They came together. Of course, they had been protesting and they had been um, talking to some lobbyists yeah. about the guns. And no one was getting, they weren't getting the right attention or they were, they felt like they were being brushed off. And so they decided that. They would all get together and they would walk out of schools to make a point mm. and they would stay out of the schools for just 17 minutes. And the 17 would represent the 17 students who were killed mm-hmm. recently. And um, But it's been over uh, thousands of children who have been killed already in 2018 mm-hmm. for school shootings. And they really want their voice to be heard about their right to feel safe and mm-hmm. be protected and to have a better, to have more regulations or stricter regulations on guns and and things like that. And my daughter was one of the people who participated. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I can't say that she's really an activist. I you think know, she I was excited saying, to now, walk what out. Would I, have? I would have walked out, but I went to the store or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, my daughter goes to school in Newport News, uh-huh. and last week they actually sent us a, um, a voicemail mm-hmm. letting us all know that in the next week that this would be happening and that. Because it was would, organized, right? Right. Yeah. And that they wouldn't interfere. And the, the 
administration would interfere and that the children would not have any consequences unless, you know, they so were acting like it was unruly. Watts or something, yeah. you know. And then but, you also said something about they did something at the Capitol, right? It was the shoes? Yes, with the shoes. They yeah. took um, shoes, every pair of shoes represented um, every child's life who yeah, had, had been um, taken um, since a Sandy Hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from 2012 and um, Shucks, it was... It was a whole bunch. Um, it was 7,000 yeah. pairs of shoes that they dropped up there. And it, it, to make a message, because the, our current president and maybe some of the people with NRA and a lot of things aren't taken serious. That's right. You know, the, the regulations. And sometimes I've spoken to a lot of um, people who feel that the regulations messes up those who who are, aren't doing anything wrong, but they're not. And so this was as a, a very a very... What's the word I'm looking for? A huge picture, an illustration to show what's really going on and how we shouldn't be, this shouldn't be ignored. And so I thought it was a great thing. And, and I really love the fact that children, um, I shouldn't say children, but our youth. Our youth. Are are taking, yeah. and, and if we can be very specific, the affluent youth and are taken because they understand with affluence comes influence. Mm-hmm. And if we can hit them with their pocketbook because their parents are the ones who have money that can kind of help turn some things around. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had some technical difficulties in the beginning of the show, so we're actually going to be going soon into our our first guest. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce her. Her name is T. Erica. I don't know if it's Terica or T. Erica okay. Patterson. She's um, She did a, a movement, basically, to end sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, she's a relationship coach, and she's also an author, and she's the creator of the new rules for engaging women at work. So she's going to be calling in a little bit. Is she the Me Too oh, movement? Oh, she's already online? Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and welcome to the show Miss Terica Patterson. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? I'm amazing. How are you? I like to hear that. Right, amazing. We're, we're doing well. So is it Terica <laughs> or T. Erica? Were you being fancy? How you Erica, a strong E, like a queen. All right. All right. Wakanda. That's what I'm Wakanda talking about. forever. Yeah. Bambile! <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Bambile! Wonderful. <laughs> so what, what, what prompted you to, to um, create these guidelines? And then why, oh, why uh, did they only address um, you know, men's actions in the workplace? What about y'all? Y'all trifling. Oh, what, what, what? <laughs> well, actually, um, I am a relationship coach and blogger, and the majority of my audience are men. Okay. So um, the men were writing into me, asking me, telling me that they're having fear of women at work, and they don't—they feel like they're going to be destroyed at any given moment. What should they do? Can I do something to clarify what's acceptable and not acceptable? Oh, okay. And that's exactly what I did. Okay. <laughs> Well, also, you know, um, it's 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 really great that we're in a time right now where people are speaking up and speaking out about their experiences and not feeling ashamed anymore. And so it's mm-hmm. been exciting to see this Me Too movement. And how do you feel about the growth of it? And how has it mm-hmm. impacted work environments, you think? I think it's making um, work environments more intense. I are becoming less productive right? because if men and women are not being able to get along and they're fearful, they're not able to collaborate and push the business forward like they, like it needs to be done. Right. And before it was that women weren't invited to the table because maybe men felt that they um, 
good enough at right. this point. Men are not even going to even imagine that a woman should be anywhere near them because they fear having being destroyed by them. Right. And that's going to totally hurt all of our business, all of what we've built so far. is not going to help anything at all. Exactly. Okay, how are you? My name is Paula. I, I have, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, but I want to give you a scenario of what happened to me um, this weekend. Um, and because the thing that what, what you were saying about um, the men and how now they're so frightened to like even be around women, mm-hmm. sort of speak. Um, I was I was at a, an event and um, I, I was dressed nicely. Um, however, I guess this gentleman must have really liked the way I look. So I don't know if he had a little bit too much to drink. So he grabbed me mm. by the arm. And tried to pull me close to him, so I had to take a stance and turn and hit him in his chest, and, and tell him to let me go and, and to get your hands off of me. So he took a liberty that he, to, for me, that he shouldn't have, no hmm. matter how I looked. I, I mean, I, I know, amazing. I know, because we addressed this before. Yes, mm-hmm. and, you know, I looked amazing. But the thing of it is, for you just to think that you can do that, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? What gives you the right to do that? Because you're a man and you like the way I look, mm-hmm. and you're gonna grab? Because I have a bruise on my arm. You, you you grabbed me, you know what I mean. And you were fully clothed and everything, yes, right? I was fully clothed. Yeah, <laughs> saw that picture. You were. <laughs> I'm sorry. So by by saying that, um, do you have any new rules for women? I mean, how how do we handle that? New rules for women? Yeah. Do you have any? New, well, what I'm asking is that how, how do we handle a situation like that? Well, first, I think we should handle a situation like that by addressing the root cause of it, which is the men. And I've had a conversation with a man about this, and he explained to me it was always a given, a rite of passage, that you could grab women, touch their butts. Even as a child, this was something you could do, and there would be no repercussions, and they didn't even understand that it was inappropriate. So the new rules for engaging women at work— establishes what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. It just says it explicitly. You should not touch her. You should not say these things. If you like her, this is what you need to do. If you want to date her, this is what you need to do. This is how you speak to her with respect. So that situation would not come up if he was trained under the new rules. Because he um, would know better. And Queen Patterson. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My question is, now, with, um, with all of this going on, and sometimes we do get away, you know. I'm I'm on, I'm jumping with Will for a moment. The uh, with the consequence and the responsibility, we get a whole lot of cry wolf mm-hmm. and a whole lot of women who invite things. In- and, invite that's and the then, key word. And then after welcome, um, entice, and and uh-huh. and I won't say after it goes wrong. Finger but down with with the advent, if you will, with more people speaking up. Sometimes uh-huh. it feels like people are bandwagoning. And they are calling something sexual harassment that they themselves invited. So, uh. so what? What does a man or anyone? What do you do? What two questions? I guess. What do the do 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 the men do in these situations where it feels like a catch twenty two? And what do you? What can we do to encourage women who their cry wolf or their invitation? The invitations could be counterproductive to the women who are actually being harassed. I respect that question so much, and it's so important. So in addition to the new rules for engaging women at work, because I think we should start in the workplace with this with this, with this discussion, right. I also the intentional leadership 
teaches women how to be respectful towards themselves and how to be responsible leaders of men now that we have this new movement and we're moving towards a more female-centered leadership model. Mm -hmm. So when women are—these women will understand that you don't lie on a man. You don't try to manipulate a man using his powers. Right. This is how you lead responsibly. This is how you make a man your ally and your support for life. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to hurt in order to get to where you want to get. I hope to educate women on these things so that we don't have to have these problems because I know there are some good brothers out there, exactly. and I don't want them to be hurt. Exactly. Right, right. So, so yeah. with, with, like you said initially, that you have a lot of male followers and that they're concerned that, you know, yeah. They may face charges, lose their job, their livelihood. So what can yeah. be done now from this point on to ease the tension in the workplace following this Me Too movement? Well, if every business that hears the sound of my voice would invite me to come in and offer <laughs> training and certification program for all of their employees right, right. so that people will see and understand and sign that they understand that we are now operating under these new rules, then these men can be held accountable right. and the women can understand the boundaries as well and they'll right. feel more safe at workplace. So when women feel safe and the men know I can joke with her because the rules say I can joke with her about this but not this, so I know exactly what's acceptable and not acceptable, they can look each other in the face and feel like, I'm not saying brother and sister but feel family you know like the way we're supposed to feel as humans on this planet the new rules will absolutely wipe out the tension in the workplace because everything will be set out and spelled out and the love and love for progress of everyone there so after we sing kumbaya <laughs> and i was together you know uh, right <laughs> don't get me started again <laughs> um Will will there in these new rules? Will there be consequences? Um, will there be more more harsh consequences? Will there be a zero tolerance? Oh yes, I think that there needs to be zero tolerance for these these for these for violations of these new rules. And some of the consequences are outlined in there. If you do this, then this will happen. Right. You know, but the majority of them are are written so that. Men will simply understand what it is and what not to do. And I leave those extreme consequences up to the individual company to decide. Well, what, are, what are a few of these rules? You keep saying the rules, the rules, but you have to, you have to give us something. What, what, what? Okay, so <laughs> these rules are interesting because they, they aren't saying you have to be robots in the workplace. So okay. I understand that at work there's a large percentage of people who meet someone that they are attracted to. So I explain, what do you do when you're attracted to a woman at work? How do you handle that situation? What do you do? Well, you can flirt with her in the workplace. What? How about zero tolerance at flirting? We're humans. Somebody's right. going to be cute. I'm going to want to flirt. So um, if a man is, wants to flirt with a woman in a workplace, what, I redefine what flirting means. Uh-huh. Now, if you want to flirt, you can um, um, do her work for her, offer to do her work for her. You can make her coffee for her. <laughs> you can um, uh, offer her a small gift, a token of your affection. You can smile at her openly. Other than that, that's not flirting. So if you want to make her life easier in the workplace, if you want to flirt with her, you need to make her life easier while you're there. Now, that's is this, what, that's the only job. thing. Well, mm-hmm. I, uh, go ahead, Paul. Well, what I was going to... Because of all these rules, mm-hmm. I, I was just thinking to myself... I just. Let me know if I'm wrong. Ah. That I think really that this is a shame that you have to have rules mm. to engage a man and a woman to in, engage in right yeah. and to um, 
display good behavior. So to yeah. me, and I don't want all the men that's listening to get this wrong, and it's not all the men, mm. but what yeah. I'm saying is that if they knew how to behave themselves and not take liberties and be controlling over a woman, that we would not be in this situation today. We wouldn't even have the Me Too movement because you don't respect women like you should. And you think yeah. that just because you can and you're stronger and dominant to take advantage of a woman, that you can do that. And it's okay. And we shouldn't say anything. But this is spending yeah. so much out of control right. that um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Just, as I'm listening, I just feel sad about this whole entire thing. You know, I feel yeah. sad for the men. And also I feel sad for the women that have been yeah. placed in this predicament. And I mean, I, I grieve for the zero tolerance because because here's the thing you have people now today that are losing jobs for yes. flirting yeah. like old school flirting you yes. know um I, and double standard flirting because you know i could see a good looking man and I, and I could say oh he could get it mm. and no one is going to say anything right, to me right right and, yeah, and then yeah, the man yeah. could turn around to me and say oh she can get it you know and now all of a sudden he's he gone. said that 10 years ago and he's lost his job and not even if he's guilty, but because they said he did it, mm-hmm. his reputation is sullied. And so, I, but but with all the loss, we've got to start somewhere. We do. And I, you know, and I, I'm finding that I read another right, article that now men are speaking out about women sexually harassing them. Just like all of a sudden, this is come, becoming a little trend. Well, if my name comes up, I'd like to say I never saw that man. <laughs> I never seen that blue suit. Your name was on the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking to what she said earlier about it being sad, I do feel that it is sad that we have to be so explicit in saying, don't touch her. Right. Don't tell her that she her butt is nice. Don't compliment her on her body parts. But the thing about it is that most women don't understand about men. If you are explicit in explaining what you want from them, then they can follow your lead. And a lot of times women think they're supposed to know. But really, a man's not going to know everything unless you tell him how to respect you, unless you tell him how to love you, unless you tell him the things that he needs to do to make you feel good and support it. You're expecting him to know and being angry with him for not reading your mind when all you have to do is just say it. And that's what I did. I I just said it. You disagree? Absolutely. Because a man should know. Because that's being a respecter of person. If I'm standing there... How would he know? I'm sorry? How would he know, though? How would he know? Give me a break. How do we know? Well, I mean, we're, we're different. Right, so we're, we're women are more circular where men are linear, and certain things I, are cut see, and dry would, and see, black here, and white. No, 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 sir. They're, they're, no, sir. I disagree. I totally disagree with that. Expression. Gives oh, okay. them the excuse and the liberty to do what they want to do. Are I don't think it gives a liberty, but I'm saying I think man it. Man doesn't know that you're not supposed to take advantage or touch somebody. They you don't know. know. I mean, One time a man complimented me on my what, breath, what and I said, say? that's not a compliment. And he said, how could you say that's not a compliment? To the average woman, that is a compliment. And then I had a conversation on social media, and it turns out that education level impacts your response to that question. Is a man saying, you have nice breasts, a compliment? Everybody who was super educated was like, that's disgusting. But everybody else was like, that is a compliment. If you so, have your breasts oh. pushed up, up underneath your chin, in a, in, a, in, a, in a blouse, a boussier, or whatever you call it, that's so tight, you want that type of tension. And you should be, if you receive that type of tension, your, your goal was met. 
I don't think you should be offended if somebody comes up and compliments you on it. You should probably be offended if they come up and grab it. But if you're there gyrating in front of their face, then you should expect that type of behavior. Okay, and I disagree okay, well, with that as well. Well, I, I know that. you disagree yeah, with that. Well, the, 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 what? But I, that's, that's not a compliment. I, 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 here, here's what I, I, now. it's okay. Yes. Fire it yes. up. I'm getting, I'm getting So here, here's the thing, though. <laughs> Two things. One, and a lot of women in this sexual revolution mm-hmm. of being okay with everything that you have, I think that, and I know Paula disagrees with this, but I do think it is, use the word irresponsible we used earlier, is irresponsible to present something and then get upset when it's talked about. That's like, it's an old Cosby show um, Mm. reference when he was talking about Dabness, um, Vanessa's fiance, and he said, describing to him this steak, you know, but then the steak came on a trash can lid. But I'm flipping it. If you smell a steak, you see the juice is running from this steak. You're not going to say, mm, I want a piece of that steak. You're not going to say that steak looks so good. You are. not going to reach for that you're steak. You're going to reach steak. for that steak. steak. You might reach for the steak. So you're crossing boundaries. I would who's, cro- who's crossing but boundaries, I'm saying though? Presentation, if you present it. I'm, okay, hold it. I should be able to dress. Yes, you should, but you should also expect no, that somebody expect may that? say something no, about say, what's the what's the consequence you for you dressing that way though? I what's have the consequence? consequence? I, I just talked about. Well, but I do. think that's irresponsible to think you that you shouldn't have a consequence. Okay, so what you're saying to me, mm-hmm. not to be touched, but it can be talked about. And you can talk about me all day because you ain't. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not talking about you. I'm saying I can say if your breasts are out, and if I'm a man, I can say you have really nice breasts. And I'd be like, oh, thank you. But and the problem is if I touch your breast, but I and but you you shouldn't touch my breast. If, if my breast is out, just that's that's why we're in this Me Too movement right but, here. But I think that's because where we're saying it, I agree that you shouldn't touch. No, we're not saying that a man should about. touch you. I'm no, saying like a man said, shouldn't. Right, but they can't control themselves. This is the bottom line to this whole issue. If I'm dressed and my breasts are so out, because they make these. Is it the attention or is it the touch? Right, because we're talking. So about when a person walk, when you dress like that, and the person walks I, past, I, I and you get like the double, you know, the double turn, they turn around to look at your yeah, your butt, like, oh, or they look at your breast. Yeah. Is that offensive to you, or is it just the fact that they they, no, they touched you? It's not offensive. It's, just, it's the fact that you took the liberty to think that you could touch. Is me. it offensive to you that they look back and they comment, or they liked it, or that they touched you? Touched, Which one? Touched. touched. So, that, that's so we're, we're arguing the attention, not the touch. Touch is wrong. Yeah. Touch that's is what wrong. I'm talking about. Because okay. you're thinking that you have the liberty and the right because she has her breasts hanging out because she she likes this shirt and this little cut. So I think just because she's dressed like that, that... Well, that's not what we're arguing. I'm not saying that because I have my have my ninnies out, you can touch them. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. saying if I have them out, I think it's being foolish of me to get upset if you say something yeah. about them. That's what we're saying. And and, and in that aspect, so sometimes goes, you do have to me, it goes, it goes To me, it's control. all together. It's a package. I mean, I just think that's the typical response that you're going to get for dressing that way. I think the touch is so a little on the extreme end, but it's, it comes with the attention. It's the next step in them turning around, looking, then the next thing they're going to come up on you, try to get your number. And then if you still play into that, I mean, the next thing is a touch. Or, you know, come home Thank with me. Yes, I mean, because well, yeah. y'all got your shirt, your pants on, and your shoes. So yeah, we got the skinny jeans so, on. Right, skinny yeah. jeans on, so it's yeah. nothing that we can touch or see. There's you can touch. Can I didn't say anything about that. But I know that. Yeah. But I'm just saying. Let I a mean, man walk past me, and, and I can see the silhouette of what's under that shirt. You darn real, I'm going to speak to him with my hands. <laughs> hey, but see, we don't get offended. But the guys, they, they had a shirt down low, mm. they had their shirt open, and, you know, they want to show their six-pack and all that stuff. Well, so what, what, are you, what are they saying? 
It's saying, look at my chest. Look at my muscles. Are they yeah. asking me to touch it? No, we're not going to Yeah, they want us to touch it. Touch but no, they do want you to touch it. But yeah, that's the difference between women. I mean, they, they like do that. want you to. Yeah. Okay. Can you read this? It says, okay. Me Too is advertised wrong. This is from one of our, um, our viewers. viewers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it says, Me Too is advertised wrong. It's not only assault and harassment, it's also the mindset of how a person, regardless of gender and age, treat one another. I have also treated someone with respect, but there but there are people who accuse me of harassment for saying, ma'am, thank you, opening the door, and more. So, yes, a woman needs to speak up because the gentleman rules don't apply anymore uh, either. And this is from Stephen Sykes, one of our viewers. Wow. Wow. So chivalry, uh, he's saying it's dead. It's been dead. Well, I think it's not. I'm old-fashioned, honey. You can open my door. <laughs> you can put your I, I, you can put your jacket over a puddle for me. But me too. I mean, I, <laughs> so, Terika, have you ever been sexually harassed in the workplace? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's never happened to me before. Okay. Okay. However, well, I run a website called Abuse Is Not a Secret, which allows people. I established this in 2014. It allows people to come in and. Submit their stories mm. with repercussion. This is what happened to me. This is how I feel about it. I wanted to create a safe space where people felt heard and not judged, and right. they can get it out without feeling like nobody's going to listen to me. And that's why I created Abuse is Not a Secret for the, all the conversation that need to happen around sexual abuse, drug abuse, mental health, and, and those things mm-hmm. around centered around healing over abuse. And that, is that .com, .org? Abuse is Not Okay, and that's how people can contact you. And also, if, like you said, if they want to hire you to come speak to their businesses, that's how they can get in contact with you? Oh, no. Um, Engagingwomenatwork.com is the site that you need to go to if you want to download the new rules. Just Google the new rules at Engaging Women at Work and or info at Engaging Women at Work. Engaging Women at Work, Engaging Women at Work is mm-hmm. the name of the site that you go to if you want to download the new rules and read them for yourself and pass them on to your HR managers or you want to connect with me to have me come to your business and discuss the new rules for men and intentional leadership for women. Awesome. awesome. You were great. Thank yes, you. We enjoyed you. Thank you. I enjoyed you guys. I don't know. what. I'm glad I connected with you guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. No problem. Have a great evening. Yeah, have a great evening. Bambile! <laughs> well, I can't I take it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So I wanted to go, there were some other topics, but I want to get to this one right here because I know we have a viewer who feels very passionately about Iyanla Van Zandt. And I just want to preface the conversation with saying I really like Iyanla. I mean, she has helped me through a lot of issues. She hasn't fixed my life. Gutter snipe. Gutter snipe. Did you ever Google what it meant? I sure did. It means a low. Did you see the picture? No, I didn't see the picture. Ugly. I don't remember it's the some picture. ugly thing. It was. It was she like also called her ugly when she called her that. Yes. Yeah. She called Nephi a gutter snipe. Mm. But um, I like her. I think she's good. I think this episode that we're going to reference, um, the one with Camila, the girl who was... Camila Alexis. When she was kidnapped at birth. Um, so, so this is a little bit about Iyanla before we all jump on her. So she's an uh, inspirational speaker. She's a lawyer. She's a new thought spiritual teacher, minister, 
an author, a life coach, and a television personality. Now, I want to jump down because I'm in school for life coaching. Life coaches are different than therapists. Correct. I think in this episode, she acted more of a therapist, which, which in my opinion, left the client, which is Camila, worse off than she was when she came to her. So life coaches, they aim to motivate, offer emotional um, support, and create confidence in their clients. Many life coaches concentrate and focus on creating a new life path in order to achieve goals, whereas a therapist sometimes looks into emotional resolutions of the past um, in order for them to move forward. So we will always explain in school that if we need anything dealing with the past or showing up now, you need to go to a therapist to do, to do that. Yes. But a life coach or somebody who, if you come to a life coach, there are anybody who can deal with now towards anything you want to do in the future. Okay. okay. Goals, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You want to lose weight. You want to change your life. You know, you divorce. You want to rebuild yourself. That's fine. You go to a life coach. My mama hurt me in the past. You got to go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. So to me, she had therapeutic in, um, injuries from the situation, of course. And I think I just think Iyanla was ill prepared to handle what happened. Well, you know, um, this was my first time, like I said, watching it. watching the, the watching show, the whole show, watching any of any of her fixture life shows. Wow, this was my very first one. Okay, and um, I have seen her in person. Yeah, she came and she was very motivating. Uh-huh. You know, she was a great um, motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. I have to say that I was uncomfortable the entire time she was dealing with Camilla. Um, or, or Alexis. I, I personally think she should have been dealing with Alexis and not Camilla. Okay. Because that's You saw you, when she asked her, who who, who are you? Yeah. Right. She said, I'm mm-hmm. both. You're not. Mm-hmm. Camilla. <laughs> you know, she's who yeah. she says she is. Uh-huh. You know, I was uncomfortable because, um, and I'm not familiar with the Fix Your Life, how she's done everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I was uncomfortable just as a, someone looking in because I felt like she was projecting how she thought Alexis mm-hmm. who does never who's never known herself as Camilla mm-hmm. she was projecting to Alexis how she felt Alexis should feel how she felt Alexis should deal and you know um, so it, it was it was it was very concerning to me I, I didn't um, mm-hmm. did, have you got a chance to see the clip yeah, I mean, see yeah I, I, I mean I, I've watched several of her shows yeah uh, I, I thought she was kind of Part of it, I felt like she was like she was bipolar, if you will. Mm-hmm. Part of it, she's like extremely overbearing and rude. And then the other part, she has this this smile that she, that she keeps like she's trying to be nurturing, hugging. I don't want to fall into the bosom of a woman I just met, you mm-hmm. know. And so she's being nurturing. Well, well, she pulled her in there, right? Yeah, she like had her snuggled up under you know her Me Too breast. Okay, uh-huh. too, too soon. <laughs> and uh, but she. <laughs> But I think one thing about her is that she tries to, um, you're trying to be a therapist and a life coach, but you're trying to be down at the same time. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, and I think when you you have all of those elements, I think sometimes you can lose focus on what it is that you're really there to do. And I think the clients probably feel the same, you know, because when I watched her do DMS, that was rough. You know, I, I heard mean, about that. that. Yes, yeah, sir. That was that was she. You know, and and you know when you run into challenges like that, for me, it looks like she cannot diffuse the situation that's when they get when they get really high. And, and that's and that's the thing you want to fix these these lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm only familiar with what Paula said. Mm-hmm. I've heard about the DMX thing, how it was explosive. Yes. And then seeing the episode last night, Nephi was explosive. You, know, you yeah, should. 
I, I want, if she's, if she is um, donning herself as someone that can fix someone's life, you've got to be able to handle conflict management better. You've got to be better at diffusing all of this craziness. I mean, it can get to a point where someone gets frustrated and angry mm-hmm. and they hit a wall, but you should be listed as a safe place where they're okay and they can come back up. Not where you have now become the object of And that's their- the ethical that's the ethical issue about the whole thing about her saying right. that she was gonna help her fix <laughs> fix her life. Totally went against all of that. Right. Yeah. But she, the day after she released us well, she did another video clip the, where she kept saying that I'm responsible, I'm responsible. She said the intention of her show is not to create television. She I said it's to save lives. She right. said she doesn't alter her met her methods for the cameras. The team is there only to doc- document the healing. Hiccups kicking. I'm sorry, uh, um, but she just went on to talk about how she th- feels like this needed to ha- happen, and it's you know she's sorry that the girl didn't get the resolution that sh- she needed. Well, you know the good, the good thing about if we can say good, I use that word loosely. The good thing about this happening is because she is stressing that this is not reality TV and it's not some type of salacious thing where I'm mm-hmm. trying to get views. Mm-hmm. So the good thing is to see is that. While I don't agree with her method, it's showing you that real life is not a bow. It's yeah. 45 minutes wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's fixed. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens. Sometimes things don't work. And I remember the whole time I was watching, I was like, I wonder if she's going to talk about Carlina White. And then Carlina White did come on the show. Because same situation, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and perhaps they should have done more research. Maybe they should have spoken with Carlina White and her progress before they went to... To, talk to, to see what other. worked with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the moment that Alexis's birth mother decided to not be a part of the process, I think they should have cut all, t- they should have mm-hmm. waited to do it. Okay. Yeah, no, we we do that. have a caller. Is this call on the line? Mm-hmm. We have Coach Ellis from the Rules TV and Radio Show. Coach! Hey, Coach! Hey, family. How you doing? Doing, doing well. well. So, what do you have to say about the whole story? Brother, I am so frustrated. After watching Fix My Life. Why are you frustrated? Well, as a certified life coach, I look at what um, this TV coach is doing. And one of the foundational rules of life coaching is that the client sets the pace. Right. The client owns the answers. Mm -hmm. I I watched this whole show about five times. Mm -hmm. I watched all the YouTube stuff and um, and the Facebook stuff. Even when she came back the day after, she placed the blame back on the father. Right. Right. So while she said, it's my fault, she didn't take any responsibility. So my issue with this is that this helps, this makes my job as a life coach much more difficult because people watch this and they think this is what we do. What she did not do is she, she did not, she addressed with the father. I either have to make her mad or have to make her extra sad or something. Right. But she never addressed it with the client. So the client was unprepared to go that route. Mm-hmm. And she drove mm-hmm. the client to a place that she wanted the client mm-hmm. to be, not where the client wanted to go. Right. And so afterwards she says, well, she, she just couldn't make the transition. She couldn't make it happen. I'm sorry she didn't get what she needed. But as a coach, she didn't set her up to get what she needed. She was busy driving her agenda and not following the agenda of the of the client. So First of all, if, if this if this young lady had been taken from her mother, she's got abandonment issues. Right. Right. Okay. She needed. She didn't need coaching. She needed therapy. 
Coaches mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. fix broke people. Right. We help good people become, as my granddaddy would say, gooder. We help folks become, go from good to great. Exactly. We don't take folks from broke to fix. Mm-hmm. That's not what coaches do. And, you know, it, it's it's funny you made that point, um, Coach, because there was a point where her dad said, I'm just trying to give her time. And she said, she doesn't have time. That's not what we're giving her. Why you got to scream when you talk? I mean, that's that ain't my life. You know, that's, you're fixing my hair. But, <laughs> yeah, but this, but this is consistent with her. Same thing with, with Debbie Thomas. Yeah. You know, we go that's, back and look that's at what I was going to ask you. What was your overall impression of Ian as a therapist or life coach? As a life coach, she she gets a failing grade. She had to stop calling herself a life coach. Um, I don't know if she's a therapist. I know she's a lawyer, mm-hmm. and she's smart. I got that. But what she doesn't, what she did not, she doesn't have the skill set to do the, the coaching that's necessary. Mm-hmm. It's great television because right. we all like to see people whose lives are worse than ours. That's mm-hmm. why we watch reality TV. That's nice. But, but, but she really wanted to help change people's lives. I, I was reading an article that said that out of all of her shows, less than, um, <clears throat> less than 20% of the people have a long-term positive effect that lasts more than six months. Wow. wow. That's, not, that's, that's not life coaching. That's that's reality TV. Life coaching changes lives and develops new habits, new systems, so people can walk the path they are destined to walk, True. not the path that I as a coach want them to walk. Right, and I think go ahead. I think that um, the clients that she she brings on the air, like you guys said, I agree, have some really severe, deep issues, and I think that. All of these things that's been on the air and Facebook and Twitter is really going to hurt her career. You know, as I'm really listening, you know, how does she think this is going to really affect her career at this point? Well, the, the sad thing is that she still gets paid. Most coaches but, who are worth who are worth their coaching weight, oh, we put measures in place. It's money back guarantee. Right, but her credibility so is being questioned. At this point, for me, what do you think? Well, you know what? I don't think her credibility is being questioned because of of three letters, the network, OWN. As long as it's on the Oprah Winfrey network, her credibility is not going to be um, as damaged as it should be because being on that network validates validates her. And, and so I think, because it's obvious that she's that she's out of her league. It's obvious. And even though she says she's, not about reality TV. I feel like she's exploiting people's pain. Mm. Um, in many areas, mm. she's exploiting um, uh, washed up celebrities. I hate to call DMX washed up, but he did give a, a mm-hmm. concert in the parking lot mm. once. But um, washed up, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, for two dollars a pop. But um, I feel like she's exploiting people. I mean, and you all may not remember, but maybe about twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, probably about twenty years ago, she had a talk show. Yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. and so I think she keeps trying to find the thing that will connect. And for whatever reason, Oprah decided to jump because Oprah likes. Um, she's a pain whore. If that's, I hope Oprah don't ever hear me, and then never you know blackball me and stuff. But I think Oprah likes to get behind things that are talking about pain. And so because of that, I think she promotes a lot of people. I mean, Tyler Perry, we know about his sexual harassment. I mean, not harassment. Well, everybody but his, has a story. Everybody right. has a yeah. story of pain. But I think 
because if it's something that dealing with pain, she's going to she's going to she can relate to. It. I don't think there's a problem with that. Right. I don't think there's a problem with it, but I think she's not discerning what it what she should be. Everything doesn't need to be seen, or every everyone doesn't need their chance to be heard. Not the pain people, but the the uh, vehicle in which they're driving it. Okay. And fix your life shouldn't shouldn't be on. Okay. Well, y'all keep on. It won't be on. <laughs> <laughs> Bankrupt again. Yes, oh again. my God. Ayala? Yes. Yeah, she was bankrupt. She was suicidal. Mm-hmm. All of that. All of that. Because of this hate speech that you guys are putting out now. No, that's what will be Rhonda. Don't, don't <laughs> awesome. I'm joking. I'm See, joking. we don't have to walk on forever. That's the problem with school. Hey, Will. What coach? Yeah. Cameras. So, you know, she could have easily recovered this. And uh, one of the things that, that I noticed that she didn't do is own responsibility. Well, not, not just own responsibility, but. The 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 uh, Kamala or um, I can't remember what her, what her Alexis Alexis she wasn't the only one that she was dealing with. If she wanted the father and the boyfriend not to engage her, they mm-hmm. needed they needed counselors too or coaches or whatever she right. wanted to call them coaches. They needed folks too. She could have called Doctor Phil. They're on the same network. Somebody right. somebody mm-hmm. to help with this who understood the psychology of what was happening. So I, you know, my big thing is I th- I think she's she's absolutely irresponsible and ill-equipped. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, as a theologue, I will tell you that child was manifesting, and there's some very deep hurts there that she wasn't spiritually adept enough to to deal with. But that's that's another story altogether. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Coach, thank you so much, man. I appreciate. Uh, thank you, Will. Love you, bro. Love you too. Thanks, Coach. Thank All you. right, bye. We talk to you later. Okay. Well. Well. Let's just pray for Iyama. Right yes. now, I'm, I don't want anyone to walk away from here thinking I don't love or like well, they, Oprah. They already. It's too late. Yeah. It's too late. <laughs> I like Oprah. I don't. You, you'll be with Monique. Yep, you sure oh, will. <laughs> but you know what? If we're going to talk about Monique, if y'all know the whole story behind that, what? Oprah was a little wrong with the whole Monique thing. Um, See, I, I saw bet you give me the side yes, I when I first to said Oprah. With that. Listen, I'm telling okay. you, Will's, I beg to differ with that. I I think that Oprah uh, didn't. I think Oprah was. I can't wrong. say it on air, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you think Oprah what? I think she was. I think she was wrong in how she handled the Monique thing because Monique expressed to her about the pain that she felt with the family, with her family, and. Oprah came to Monique and her family and wanted them to come and talk it out. Mm-hmm. And Monique declined. Because Monique was the one who had the issue once she declined, it shouldn't have been on the air. And then and then so when the when the family, when the dad and the mom talking about this, they're like, no, he didn't, you know, the brother didn't do this. They were attacking Monique. Monique wasn't there to defend. I think Oprah put people in a position to show one more time how the black family does not get along. And it just looked bad. So I think it was irresponsible. Once Monique, the one who brought it to her attention, said that, no, I don't want this and I don't need that part of my healing, I think Oprah should have backed off. That did story that didn't YouTube need to be told. Where Monique talk, talking about it? Yeah. Okay. Because Oprah's never spoken about it. No. So again, we're just going on one side of the story. We are. And, you know, I mean, I know Monique can be, and Monique is one of my comedic heroes. Yes. But yes. she can be off in left field sometimes. Right. I mean, she's just very, she's very bitter right now. You know, because I saw her, I saw her she interview, to be. right? But I saw her interview on the View. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, and Whoopi, with the yeah. gray edges, but yes, mm-hmm. it looked nice. I liked it. Um, but the thing of it is, is that Whoopi was trying to 
educate her. She said, I told you before to come to me. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I didn't, I, that turned me off a little bit about Monique is that when she was saying they wanted me to come out and do this promotion for the movie Precious, no, they didn't give me, they weren't going to give me any extra money for it. Mm-hmm. But they told her that from the beginning. But you decided, but I don't think it was her. I think it was her husband. I'm sitting here chilling with my family. No, I'm not going to do that. You understand what I'm saying? That was a decision that you made. Because right now, you just made this movie. You need to be grinding like everybody else. You decided to chill at home, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but that's a decision that you made. But because of the decision that you made, this is this is what puts you on this struggle bus right now. And then they were trying to educate you and be like, no. I mean, these people were the experts. You need to do this, thus, and so, so we can get here, and this will take you higher. You decided not to do that because... So you, would you have done it? Yes, sir. Well, I think most yes, you sir, done, Would you have done it? Because it's written in most people's contract, and they're paid for it. This wasn't in her co- contract, and she wasn't compensated but, for but, it. So my thing of it is, is so that... So you would have done it. You would have accepted yes. less for why? Why? No, you, I'm talking about... You, I'm talking about going to promote the movie. The outside the country. She promoted outside, outside, outside the country. Yes. She, was not prom- she wasn't paid for that. Right, but the thing of it is, is that... What is the bigger picture? You, she put For me, she put herself in a box. What is the bigger picture? The bigger picture says, yes, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do this. That movie was very successful. Had she done that, she would have been more successful and at a higher plane than Suppose she is it wasn't now. successful. Well, that's a chance that you take. What I think but the thing of it is, is that you're home chilling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay home and chill and not take the opportunity that's presented to me. Plus, with the people that's backing it. How am I going to lose? I commend her for staying up for herself. I don't commend how she's handling now, but I wouldn't have done it if I didn't get paid. If, if everybody else got paid and these millionaires and billionaires who produced the movie couldn't pay me to go overseas, then I wouldn't have done it. I right. would have fulfilled my contract to the best of my abilities, but when they asked me to go overseas, pay me for that. Well, you know, I, I think in that situation, the, the Oprah situation about the interview with her family – I definitely, like I said before, I stand by it. I think Oprah handled it incorrectly. Mm -hmm. As far as Monique with the press junkets and things that were outside of her contract, as a comedian, Mm -hmm. now I'm not putting she and I on the same level, Mm -hmm. but I, you You know, I do comedy. And there are are times, well, you know, I try. People laugh a little bit. There are times when, as a comedian, you are only doing. You're only going to do things oh, for exposure. Uh-huh. And exposure gets you... Same. Everywhere. Tip, that's everywhere. You know, that's and, every and sometimes job. the only, the only uh, compensation you get is, is just that. Mm-hmm. Exposure and connections. Now, she did take a gamble. That's like when my sister and I, because you know what our duo, we take the risk of not being asked to many events when churches call us. I'm not a church comedian. Mm-hmm. I'm not dressing up like an old lady and reading programs in an old church lady voice. Uh-huh. That's not my brand of comedy. I'm a Christian who does comedy. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to talk about the same thing everybody else does, just without cussing. And so we ran the risk of not being invited, which we didn't. We stopped getting invited to quite a few church and Christian programs because of that. But, oh, well, what what's for me is for me, but I have to stand by that. And I can't, in turn... This is where I agree with Paula. I do believe she's in a place of bitterness. And she is taking her bitterness and trying to align it with certain things that is that is not parallel. You know, because you're not getting this doesn't make it sexist, doesn't make it racial. Right. Doesn't make you blackballed. You know, you gotta get rid of your bitterness and realize you made a choice and the consequence of that choice did mean that you will not be in certain arenas exactly. that you wanna be in. 
Plus, I was upset that um, I think I spoke about this before. How that Chris? What was the name of that movie? That Christmas movie she did with her and oh. Danny Glover. Christmas. I yeah, wanted to see Christmas. it, but I, but I never got. I mean, a it was a good, it was a good movie. And then you you talked about everybody's salary, mm-hmm. which I thought again that was inappropriate. You shouldn't have done that. You know, she you did just, the same thing with Wanda, Wanda Sykes. Yeah, and the same thing with Wanda Sykes. You have no right to talk about anybody else's salary or what they're getting. You need to just stick and focus to yourself. But, you know, Monique, I mean, she's great at what she does. You know what I mean? And she's a great comedian. But, like, I've read um, in an article, really is her time up because there's so many comedians. What is that? Tiffany Amy, Haddish. Yeah, Tiffany mm-hmm. and Amy. What's um, her name? Shuler. Amy Shuler. You know, they're, it's all about the coins mm-hmm. and getting butts in the seats. And I don't think her I, – I, here's what I think. I, I think, and I'm not the expert, I think she personally expired her time. I don't think Monique's time would have ever been up. You know, um, I think she had the potential to probably be the biggest woman comedian. I mm-hmm. think she did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she did, but she expired her time because of the way she played the cards that she had. Yes. And she's going to have to own that. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why when she complained about an Amy Schuler Netflix special getting more money than she, yes, you have done a bigger body of work than Amy Schuler. But you, but Amy Schuler is not the same risk that you are. We don't. The risk is. Can she rebound from it or if, no? If she stops making everything political, she can rebound. Okay. If she's not, she better go down Dick Gregory's and um, oh route my. and just be an active an activist okay. and leave well, comedy alone. Our next guest is calling in. Hiccups are coming in. Nick Fager. He is a LGBTQ specialized psychotherapist. He's going to call in with some issues regarding the community in just a few minutes. So, I want to get your minds going about a question. So, so when you're in a relationship, mm-hmm. think, think about taking it to the next step. How important is your relationship with the in-laws, the family? Should you even consider that? Should that be a part of the equation when you're thinking about, is, is this the person for me? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> On the opposite I don't tonight. know that we never are like that. Right. I mean, I I'm s- not sleeping with my in-laws. No, no, you're not. But they give you a, you know, so this is. They can make or break you sometimes in not, the early it's, days. It's not just about. Some mothers. They yeah. can make or break you. I think you can look into families to see what you may have to deal with in your own home. If there's a lot of um, mental, let, let me go there. If you see a lot of mental instability or mental health issues in the immediate family, it's something you have to consider. It doesn't mean that you should be deterred, but consider, because you may have to deal with that with your spouse, and if you have children, with the children. Something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to realize that wherever they come from, they will be a product of that. And mm-hmm. does not mean that they have to be it, but they are a product of it. And I think that's where in-laws come into play. If, you know, um, but the, the right love story can has has the great opportunity to change anything to what it's what you want it to be. But I think it should be, you, you should observe it so okay. that you can be aware of some things. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's what I mean in that sense. Mm-hmm. Not that you need to ask your mama and daddy, so what y'all feel about him? You know, that I don't think you need to do. Okay. Well, you know what our guest is on the line. We want to welcome to the show Mr. Nick Fager. How are you, Nick? Yes, it is. It is. How are you? Hey, Will. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much. I know we've had to reschedule you before, but we really appreciate you taking time out tonight to come on. I just want to apologize in advance. I have hiccups, as I told you earlier, I think, um, and I may be hiccuping through the, through the interview. 
but I just wanted to get things started with your work. Okay. I've Googled you and just seen all the different things that you're doing for the LGBTQ um, community. And I want to thank you for all that you're doing for us. But um, I wanted to start. So with the recent civil rights battles um, going on, our wins, our lo- losses and all that, how is all this affecting the LGBTQ community as a whole with all these recent civil rights battles? Yeah, I mean, it's such a... Um you know, it's such an interesting time in the community right now because uh, during the Obama administration, it was like we were riding this yeah. wave. Of, we were riding this wave of victory. Victories and, after uh, victory. You know, right. It just felt like it just felt like wow, we are really being recognized, and equal rights are really a possibility. And you know, then it sort of the rug sort of got pulled out, mm-hmm. um, and now it's like a lot of people are living in a lot of fear and uh, people are feeling very triggered, right? Like uh, very, very triggered. Um, and, uh, and just uh, wondering what's going to happen. And there's a lot of unsure, unsureness in the community. So, you know, I think it's really, there's still that feeling. There's still a bit of a feeling of riding on, riding on a high. Like we still have those milestones that we accomplish, such as marriage. Um, you know, there's still, uh, there's still definitely, with the community and we still feel um, happy about all of that, but, you know, really, really right now it feels like a day-to-day thing where everyone is just struggling to get through this uh, current situation. And, you know, so many people are coming, for example, you know, I, so I work as a psychotherapist. So, um, you know, so many more people are coming into therapy now uh, than a couple of years ago, for example. And uh, I really think it has a lot to do with that. It's really day-to-day. So it's hard, you know, it's sort of hard to generalize mm-hmm. um, about just the civil rights movement over the past 10 years, because there's just been such a roller coaster, especially in the past three years. In your work um, with, with the clients that you see, are you seeing like a group of people I know sometimes me and my friends, we talk, we're like on hold. We're like fearful of things being taken away, things that we've, we've gained, like the right to marry and you know, shared benefits for our spouses. Mm-hmm. We're in fear of, you know, what, what, what can we do or what should we do? Because we, we don't know if things might be overturned or reversed. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really, uh, it's a really tough time. We, there, we don't really know, you know, what is going to happen. I mean, we just have to hope, right? And we just have to hope that, uh, you know, I, I feel fortunate to a certain degree that I live in New York State, which I feel, I feel protected by the state, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, I, I speak on behalf of the LGBTQ community nationwide. It's a really scary time, yeah. um, and uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that I always remind people is just that you're, you're really taking care of yourself. Um, even just turning on the news can be really triggering uh, of just past traumas of, uh, you know, a lot of family stuff. If you have family members that are on the other side of the aisle, it's really, it can be really triggering. So just making sure that you have the support that you need in your life exactly. and that you're taking care of yourself without, without worrying too much about the broader, you know, what's going to happen. Um, I think living in fear just causes, it's just, it's, you know, it causes a lot of anxiety as opposed to just staying present in the here and now, mm-hmm. making sure that you have enough support around you. So Nick, hi, um, this is Rhonda um, Arrington. Um, now I don't, I, I have to say that I'm, I'm not aware of a lot of the concerns, the issues and the things that are facing the LGBTQ um, community. So I'm just, mm-hmm. I feel a little bit, I don't know. I don't know any of the words to say besides befuddled where, um, that there could be a lot of loneliness and isolation in the community and that there is a difficulty in establishing intimate relationships. Um, is there a difficulty establishing intimate relationships within the community or just with people in general because of all of the things that are up in the air? 
you know, this is an issue that our community has uh, always dealt with. Uh, in, uh, isolation, loneliness, uh, difficulty establishing intimate relationships. Um, it's not to say that there are not many people that have established very long-term and satisfying relationships in the community, but it's been it's been an issue. A lot of people in our community are, are lonely and uh, craving intimacy, but finding themselves unable to um, achieve it. And I think really that comes back to, uh, you know, we grew up, most of us uh, as closeted, right? Mm-hmm. And so our default, our default when something would happen to us was uh, not to share it with other people, right? right. Sharing with other people uh, felt really dangerous. It put us at risk for rejection. It put us at risk for abandonment uh, by our caretakers. And so the default was always, I need to take care of myself, right? Mm-hmm. And right. you can imagine that really goes at odds with uh, a healthy, intimate relationship. You really have to lean in and open up when it gets hard as opposed to pulling away and shutting down and and sort of uh, uh, protecting yourself. Right. And so I find that happens a lot. It's really hard. um, It's really hard for uh, LGBTQ people to establish really, really healthy, intimate relationships because there is that triggering that happens where uh, there's a lot of attachment trauma. We call it attachment trauma, but you know, old old relationship trauma, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, we had, we had a lot of trauma with our caretakers, our families, we always receive the message that uh, we should generally keep things to ourselves. Exactly. And so those patterns tend to last into into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so with, with the community, and, and I apologize for staying on this question, is, is, is yeah. there a, what about within the community? In the community, is there still um, a fear or an apprehension, if you will, of connecting with someone who may share a story, who may share um, a like experience? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's, it's a, that's a really good question um, because you would think, right, when you go into the when you get into the community, let's say you come out and then you're you're dating another gay man or another right. lesbian woman or a transgender man or woman, um, you would think that that would kind of go away and you would just feel safe. Um, but really, the the patterns from early life tend to stay with us mm-hmm. uh, until you actually really turn and face them and do the work. You know. Um, so what happens oftentimes what I see uh, in the gay community is, um, you know, both people have a lot of attachment trauma. Both people have a lot of relationship trauma. And so they try to come together. They try to uh, establish a really deep and loving relationship, but they're both, they both get really triggered. And then they, you know, it can be overwhelming for both people. And there is a tendency to sort of shut down or to run away or to isolate as opposed to help each as opposed to helping each other sort of work through that. Mm-hmm. Right. It can feel just really it can feel really overwhelming for both people. Um, so you don't really see I, I understand what you're saying, but really each individual person needs to do the work uh, mm-hmm. to get to the other side to then, you know, to then not have as much fear of intimacy to then establish loving relationships. And then I think it's very possible and, and um people do establish great relationships but you really there really has to be that period of doing the work where you heal from uh the closet you heal from the closet you know the closet is a really damaging thing it's people don't talk enough about how damaging the closet is to someone's mental health and to someone's ability to trust other people um and uh it's not it's not permanently damaging that's the good thing there's always the potential for healing um you can heal at any moment no matter what age you are you can heal um it's just a matter of actually doing that work now, now, Nick. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, with all that, and and then I'll. Um, this is my last question for now. Um, <laughs> you know, um, growing up, you know, I grew up in the in the eighties and the nineties, and um, 
you know, there were there were a lot of ignorance, and, and I mean ignorance in the in the sense of the word, just a lot of not knowing and a lot of not understanding. And so you found uh-huh. a lot of people in the generation before me of the, that I grew up with that um, uh-huh. with with the un, with the misunderstanding or the miseducation, if you will, that homophobia was rampant. Today, I would say, as an outsider looking in, um, that I feel like it's less homophobia and it's more acceptance oh, no. in in um, the the community as a whole, or not the community. Not not the LGBTQ um, community, but the outside community. I feel like because yeah. you can turn on a TV or you can see like any Shonda Rhimes show, and she's going to make sure she has a couple represented in some type of way. You know, you see main love interest in movies. You see it so much in mainstream, but homophobia is still an issue mm-hmm. or a huge issue, I should say. It is. You know, you can never. It's again. It's we're in this period where. Um, there's been so much progress. Uh, there's there's a huge change in attitudes, right? Um, I mean, I feel it in my life every day. Uh, as a gay man, I feel mm-hmm. I feel safer and safer every year, and that's wonderful. But then, you know, you really there's still uh, yes, there's still a lot of homophobia. It's still there's still a lot of um, reason that our community uh, has to protect themselves. Uh, you see it. I mean, you saw it in the last election to a huge degree. Right, um, right. But then, you know, there's certain things like conversion therapy, which mm-hmm. is the attempt to change somebody from gay to straight, right, is still legal in uh, the wide majority of states. Um, we're still we're fighting to get it outlawed, but it's still legal for someone to walk into a therapist's office and that therapist will try to change them from gay to straight. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's unacceptable. And then, you know, you hear a lot, you hear about hate crimes. Hate crimes are still uh, pretty rampant against our community. So there's still a lot to be fearful about. But, you know, it is important to also acknowledge the positive. There's been, there has been a massive shift, uh, particularly in the last five years. That's what I was going to say because I was listening, but um, for my, oh, hi, this is Paula B. I'm sorry. Um, I When I go to the malls, I have a lot of gay friends and um, mm-hmm. they are extremely happy. And, and um, I, when I'm at the malls and I see gay couples, they're very free in showing their affection. And people just walking by like it's the norm now. It doesn't, like if you saw two women kissing before, you would just like fall the heck out. But now it's like uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's not even like taboo for me, right? From what, from what I have been seeing, um, it's like the norm. Like I, my daughter Sierra, she's gay. So we were in the grocery store at Kroger's. Hey. She said thanks. Oh, welcome. She's welcome. <laughs> she loves it when we talk about her. So we were at Kroger's in the grocery <laughs> store, and I happened to turn around, hey. and her and you know her partner, they were holding hands and doing whatever. Uh, many years ago, I probably would have fell the hell out in, in the frozen food aisle. But, you know, I was just like, whatever, you know what I mean? But I was comfortable with it. But I see so much of it, you know, just like Rhonda was saying, like on the soap operas, TV, the commercials where you see two men and they have a little girl, you know, um, just an array of things. So I think even though there's issues, there's like a new found, for me, revolution that it's, it's okay because it's broader, it's bigger, and it's out. I mean, it's out, it's out, it's yeah. out, and people are more comfortable coming out doing their thing. So, I mean, I see a lot of, of that in the restaurants, in the malls, in the movies. What's the big deal? Do your thing for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I love that. I love that attitude, you know. And I think, I think media representation in particular has gotten so much better media. in the past not, five years because characters, life. characters in TV shows actually like have nuance to them. You know, gay characters have nuance, trans characters have nuance, and that's that's fantastic to see. And the, I guess the last thing I want to do is make people feel more afraid than they need to feel. Like it's just wonderful to hear that people are couple gay couples are out, just sort of living their truth and and being free. I just, you know, we're still fighting the fight, though. It's not, you know. It's, I don't want to give the impression that, like, yeah, we're on the other side now and everything, it's all good. You know, every time one of those commercials comes out with a gay couple uh, and their kids, there's a huge backlash. Yeah. Right. right. There's yeah. huge exactly. parts of this country. Exactly. There's, there's huge parts of this country that are not okay with who we are. Uh, and it, it just needs to be acknowledged mm-hmm. that, that uh, that's still there and we're still fighting that fight. But on the other hand, there's a lot to be happy about. Yeah, yeah but some of those heterosexual relationships ain't what it cracked up to be either. Well, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> so an, another thing that you were talking about is uh, mm, the how technology and apps are yeah. affecting our community. Now, I've talked on the show about, you know, I met my current partner on one of those apps that you're probably talking about, but what are other ways that you think okay. that technology and apps are affecting our community? Yeah, I mean, this has been a huge... Uh, so these apps have really only been around for under 10 years, right? Um, it's just been a mo- the most massive shift. Uh, there's so many different directions that could go with this question. Like, even just physical space, right? Like, people used to just meet in bars and clubs, but now they're generally meeting on apps, and how does that change things? Exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, we all... I think everyone in the community has a bit of a love-hate relationship with the apps. Like, I hear I hear a lot of people say, I met my partner, I met my best friend, like, I, you know, all this great stuff i went i traveled somewhere and i knew i knew you know i connected with somebody through an app that's all good um i think it in many ways it allows us to be much more sexually liberated it allows for sort of unlimited choice that you can see who's around you it connects you to the community right uh you know it's there's a lot of good but then there's also a lot of bad uh these apps are very addicting um and they subject people to a lot of cruelty and a lot of rejection because you know when someone when someone is uh, behind a screen they're a lot bolder right they're a lot meaner mm-hmm. a lot of the time and so people are subjected to a lot and uh and uh yeah a lot of people um get really triggered on apps and a lot of people feel really stuck on the apps like mm-hmm. they just feel like i'm not getting what i want but i'm sort of like i don't know where else to turn um so i think generally i hear i to be totally honest with you i hear a lot more negative than positive um, when it comes to the apps, I'm, I'm concerned about how the apps are changing our culture. I think there's a lot of objectification happening on the apps that's harmful. Oh, wow. I think there's a lot of racism happening on the apps that's harmful. Yeah. I think there's a lot of ageism. I think it brings out that. a lot of All our of worst that. instincts. Yes. There's, it brings out a lot of our worst instincts because we're behind a screen, right? Exactly. So we can sort of just say what we want because we don't have to actually look the person in the face and have empathy. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I'm generally pretty negative when it comes to the apps um i feel like there needs to be some sort of counter movement so i think it's starting to happen um where people really start to connect in real life again as opposed to through through their phones um but that being said there are certainly pros and the apps helped me to work through a lot of my shame a lot of my sexual shame um helped me to meet partners you know like i i get the positives as well so i just think there's so much here yeah so I'm sorry, I have hiccups again. I was I'm writing a paper for my graduate degree, and you just mentioned working through the shame. That's something really that I'm dealing with currently. Mm-hmm. And, um, talking to my therapist about mm-hmm. the shame associated with 
Um, you also talk about internalized homophobia. Can you explain a little bit about yeah. what that is? Yeah, so on the most basic level, the most basic explanation, when we're growing up, um, we are all getting messages about gay people, about LGBTQ people, right? Mm -hmm. Consistently getting messages that uh, there's something wrong with gay people, that it's bad in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I got those messages so, so consistently growing up, whether it was just through a a term that was used or an actual uh, message that somebody gave me, like, I shouldn't do that or I shouldn't be that. I got messages so consistently, and I think think you you can probably relate to that. Church, especially. Sort of a constant... A constant barrage, right, of yeah. messages that, like, this is not okay. And so at some point, um, usually, and, and, you know, it's, we don't have people, we usually have to keep it to ourselves. And so at some point, these messages start to really sink in, right? Mm-hmm. And we actually start to believe it about ourselves, exactly. right? That there's something bad or wrong about ourselves. Really, in reality, the problem is outside in society, right? And right. yet, we don't really... Um, it's hard for the LGBTQ community in particular because since we actually had to keep everything so bottled up inside, uh, we didn't, we usually didn't have those people around us to say, Hey, the problem's not actually within you. The problem's out there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so since we didn't have those people around us and the messages are so consistent, they really just start to stick in and we start to believe, okay, there is some part of me that is really bad or wrong. Um, And that lives on even usually after we come out, um, there still can be this belief like there is something wrong with me. There is something bad inside of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really takes years of work to to, uh, work through all that shame and to really accept that you are fully okay and that there is nothing wrong with you. Um, and you're better than okay, actually. You, you are a beautiful soul, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. That takes a while to get there, right. um, and uh, it's just, you know, you have to sort of undo the years of, of shame that exactly. has built up over time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, does, that give you, does that give you sort of a very basic yeah. explanation? It, it does. It, it really does. Um, and it explains exactly where I am, because it's like you said, I'm, what, 46. So it's like 40, pretty much 46 years of undoing a, a thinking um, mine mm-hmm. pretty much came because I was raised a lot heavily in the church and in the, in the black community is really, really bad homophobia. So I, be, I believe yeah. those messages. Um, so trying to live an authentic life, handling my own, um, internal homophobia is really an issue for me. And, and it's a stumbling block that we're, we're really trying to work through right now. So, yeah, I definitely understand. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, you know, I appreciate you sharing. And it's another thing that makes relationships hard uh, for our community. If you have a lot of shame, it's hard to, if you believe you're really bad, right, in some way, how do you let love in from another person, right? Like, how do you, uh, if someone says, you're great, I love you, you don't believe that. You actually believe you're you're bad in some way. And so that makes relationships hard as well. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but you know, I, I I hate to I don't want to be like doom and gloomy because I think you know it's just it's just the work that we have to do right mm-hmm. it's, it's the work it's it's in many ways it's exciting work because when you get to the other side it's it's so fantastic exactly. to be gay in the world to be gay and really own and really own who you are as a gay man like yeah. that's that's how I identify and once you actually get there it's so fantastic right like you're you're living this life that isn't really scripted for you, right. right? Like, no one really told you where, like, who, no one really tells me, like, who I am or, mm-hmm. or what, what I need to do. It's sort of unscripted, and I get to decide who I am, and 
I love that. I love that about being gay. I think I think once you get to the other side of the shame, mm-hmm. uh, there's a feeling of like being lucky to be gay yeah. in, in many regards. I could I can be like Ellen. That's what I want to be. Oh, that's be what you want to be. Free like Ellen. Yeah. Free like Ellen. Yeah. See, and that makes me sad too because <laughs> I'm listening to what you're saying and listening to what you were saying, stating mm-hmm. Will. I was like, people are so close-minded because you're so focused <clears throat> on my lifestyle, but you're not focused on my inner beauty and who I really am. Mm-hmm. It's it's my lifestyle <clears throat> that you put before the person that God has created me to be. And I could be the most amazing person in the world, but because of my lifestyle, you want to stifle me. Mm-hmm. And that's sad for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick, yeah, what? it's really hard. I mean, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to ask how people follow you because we're definitely going to have you back on. I know you speak on a myriad of topics, but um, how can people follow you? Uh, how can people find me? So on Instagram, I am at gay therapy. Okay. Uh, it's very, it's very simple and very direct. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, that's the best way to find me. Um, I think if anyone you know has further questions for me, they can just write me a message there, and uh, I'd be happy to to answer it for them. Because awesome. I, on that Instagram, you also do like you release topics, right? It's like a blog for you. Is that the one I was uh, reading? Well, sorry, what, what was on, the question? on your Instagram on the at Gay Therapy. You do like mm-hmm. um, tips, don't you? I was reading something that you have something where you release like da- daily empowerment tips or th- something like that. Was that? Yeah, right? so you know, it's a combination of things. Um, I uh, I either do you know I either send like a daily affirming thought, uh, or I'll talk about a specific issue that the community deals with, like mm-hmm. HIV, for example, like the landscape of HIV today, you know, I'll just dive into something every day. I'll post something that is relevant to our community and helps people just slowly, but surely, uh, work through that, whatever shame they have, um, and come into their, come into their bodies really, and live an authentic life. Like that's, that's really the goal of the page is just to, to help people live happy and authentic and healthy queer lives. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming Thanks on the show. I really on. appreciate Thank it. You. And we're definitely going to have you back on. Yeah, I'd love to come back on. I feel like there's so many there's so many issues that I could go further into, but I appreciate you having me on, and I'd, I'd love to come back. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Have a good night. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Oh. All right. That was interesting. <laughs> it was. It was very interesting. It's it very interesting. interesting. Like, okay, so I have another question for you. Okay. Chemistry. What chemistry. is chemistry? Somebody asked me a question about chemistry the other night. And I was like, hmm. hmm. It's a science class I never had to take. Thank God. <laughs> In the relationships, do you have to have chemistry? Is chemistry the same as I like you? Or is that beyond I like you? Is that, is that the same as? I don't as think I like you is, is, is chemistry. I think uh, I like you is attraction. Chemistry is, it, is, is chemistry attraction. No, chemistry is something that comes after attraction, or sometimes it's something that brings you to realize there is an attraction. It's a pull. I think the play on the word chemistry because it's something science, mm-hmm. like something that comes together and it, and it um, binds or bonds and makes something. Mm-hmm. And so I think having chemistry um, would be something that can be created that there's a pull between two people. Now, is it that extra added factor or do you need that in order for something to work? Cause you say it comes after attraction. I mean, I think that you need it to make it work because see when you're for me, when you're universally connected to someone, 
that gives that that gives you that ultimate chemistry that you need. But what does it feel like? Because maybe I don't know what it feels. What does it feel like? What does chemistry feel like? Have you ever had chemistry with anybody? Yes. Um, what did you feel? <laughs> I posted this in a Facebook group, and I got a whole bunch of feelings. I was like, okay, no, not that yeah, one. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> um, for, for me, I'll start. I, cause I think you can even have, you can have chemistry that is non, non-romantic. You know, um, when I'm able to, because <laughs> y'all know I joke a lot. Mm-hmm. And so if I can meet someone and I can say random things from movies, songs, and then you kind of connect and you know where I'm talking about, I don't know how to explain myself, and you laugh and you get my sarcasm, and we can flow back and forth. To me, chemistry is a flow where mm. we don't have to keep explaining ourselves. And this is the place where Paula's talking about that she said all men should be. If I don't have to, not saying you should be a mind reader, if I don't have to tell you how to respond to me and how to connect with me, I feel like we have some type of chemistry. There's something that's pulling you to understand me. The longer we get to know each other, maybe I will explain a little bit more things, but there's something intrinsic, you know, that chemistry says that Mm -hmm. connects without us even, without us having to have a bloodline, without us having to share some type of sexual contact. There's something that pulls and you just want to, you, you, you flow. I mean, I don't know any other words to say. I mean, I I mean, I agree with that. I, I think that when you're, and it can be like a non-sexual relationship, right. like you said, that you can just be so comfortable to tell your truth and not be, I'm not going to use the word judge, but just be sheer. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I can sit there and you can feel me. You right. know, and you, you can feel me. And sometimes I can walk in the room. I don't have to say anything. but And we can be just silent. But we have such chemistry that we get it. Right, you, you understand what I'm saying? That that's 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 what what that chemistry right. is about for me. It's that you know I'm all like been tapping into the universe these days. Right, you frequency. Know, that, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't stand it. And you know it's just that connection that you feel because you can mm-hmm. feel it when it comes disconnected. Right, mm. and that disconnection is is stronger than really trying to get that chemistry going because you got to kind of work at it right sometimes right but you know when you you're universally connected to someone right it's just amazing alexis what you think about yeah i was going to ask you Uh (laughs) honestly i think chemistry is just like about like i agree with paula Mm -hmm. like you said because i could tell that you and Rhonda have a chemistry and it doesn't have to be romantic but I could tell I picked up on y'all chemistry y'all probably y'all like when you have chemistry you don't even really have to know that person for too long to pick up on their vibe or their type of energy they give off you just know how to approach them so it's just another word another way of saying connection I would say say yes just like these are some words like, like they said I asked a question in the group and I got 69 comments they were like, it's like drugs. Okay. They were like, it's like a pull from across a crowded room, an electric <laughs> shock when your eyes meet, thunder when you touch. So I was like, wait a minute. That sounds like lust. Oh, you it took the words like, right out my mouth. Yeah. That sounds yeah, like that's lust. Like chemistry. That's not chemistry. That's amazing. When it's real, you can't get enough of each other long before you even touch you. 
That's not chemistry. When either. they think about, they're thinking about chemistry in just in one a sexual avenue. way. Yeah, yeah, they're thinking about the lust and electricity that you feel yeah. from yeah. a good, <laughs> lustful um, lay. Until right, right, right. It's just like a high. I used to be able to feel a person's energy and smell their scent in the air. That's a creeper. <laughs> so I was like, well, wait a minute, chemistry. Okay. Well, what do you that think it is, Well, I, I, right. I thought whenever I hear people say chemistry, it's like a bond. It's a connection. It's like you said, like how you picked up on. Because yeah. I noticed that, too. I was like, oh, look, and they're really friendly. They had yeah. a connection, that spark in between them. But listen to this, I was like, oh, my God. I was going to say it. I was like, I don't. When I don't someone think. has chemistry. But, well, we have chemistry. <laughs> people tell us that all but the time. We, I, I mean, ain't never we, smelled we, you in the air. You haven't felt our chemistry? I ain't never smelled you in the air. I can't stand him. But we do have chemistry because when we're on stage. Now that you say it's a connection, I yes, get that. We, yeah, we I do. I mean, we have strong, because people can tell. And I can tell when I don't have chemistry with people. Right. Right. People can tell that, like, when we're in the salon or something together, mm-hmm. people tell us. We could tell that you guys are so connected and great friends because of the way they can feel mm-hmm. our chemistry. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like my sister and I, we do our comedy. And yeah. We, you know, you can, it's it's a symbiotic type thing. I mean, you play off each other. It's great. I mean, you can, you can feel, if there's, yeah. it, it feels like there, I mean, the chain reaction, like there's something that's happening. Right. And that can be felt. Not no scent in the air, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I can, oh baby, I seen you from across the room. Boom! Right. I you know you get offended, so they, they can't. Were, they, they can't say that to her because she get offended. I get offended if you want to touch me. I, mm. Let's not even start okay. again. Yeah. Cam Newton. You guys heard about Cam Newton? So him and his girlfriend, long-term girlfriend, um, Kia Proctor, mm-hmm. they're expecting their third baby. Right. He's worth forty-five million dollars, and she's not a He's wife. He's a nice this guy. This is the third baby. Why is she not a wife? Would you be a wife or would you be a girlfriend? Third baby. This your third baby with this dude. I want to be a wife. <laughs> I know you got something different. It's okay just to be a girlfriend with three babies? <laughs> Listen, you kicking them coins, I'm going to push out them babies, I'm good. I mean, we're just... Li- <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> but I'm just saying, if, if, if they decide, if they're comfortable in that arena and then that, if she's comfortable in that relationship... Because she's three babies in. Mm-hmm. So if she wasn't comfortable, she would have bounced. And she doesn't care if she's a being a wife. So who are I have clients who are three babies in, and they're not comfortable. They're still waiting. Because they ain't with Cam Newton yeah. either, though. Right. Oh. But the thing of it is, is that you made a conscious decision to have three babies by mm-hmm. this guy, and he didn't marry you. Yeah. I wouldn't have had the first one, because if yeah, I wanted to get exactly. married, you're not going to knock me up. Mm-hmm. Because I want to be married, and then I want to have my babies what after. That's just a lot that goes into it. It depends on what they have going on in their relationship. And it might be money that's tying her down. That's probably why she never left. And she'd be like, I want the money and I wouldn't marry you. That's what I feel like. That's what it is. And what does she care about? And I wouldn't even care what the public said anyway. I'm going to live in my life. Here's the bottom line. If he loves her that much, he should have married her. But I think think what we are doing, and I agree with you all what you're saying, but here's, here's what we do. We are discerning and judging as to what they should do according right. to what yeah. we would do. Right. And, Everyone's you know, different. the That's way rough. what we think is right is that the order is this. 
if we're going to have all these children, the security is that I need that we need to also be married. Mm-hmm. You know, forget about money. There's a different security with raising these children together if we are married. You know, I'm not going to keep having all these babies with you because what's my guarantee? You know, and I'm not saying that just because you're married, you know, I'm not opening up a can of worms with someone who has to be there or doesn't have right. to be there. But, you know, so we are engaging that from a very... Um, Traditional. Traditional. Thank you, because I was going to say old school, but that's not the word I want to say. A very traditional perspective. But we live in a time today where there are more people um, that are living, that are cohabiting and building lives without marriages. That's that's the society that we live in. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest issue is, why is it our business to decide what they do and what they don't that's do? That's what I said. Hey, I'm yeah. not saying that we should put our noses into anyone else's business. I'm just saying, me personally, I would want to do the traditional route and get married but as for everyone else they could do their own thing it, like it relates back to chemistry it's whatever chemistry they have that's none of my business if they they want to have three kids that's up to them i mean that's their flow yeah, yeah. I, i'm a firm exactly. believer don't mess with anybody's flow get mm. your own long as that money flow and player yeah, that's right <laughs> you can be a person okay. in a marriage with the same thing going on listen give me an hour I know you don't know Roxanne Shantae. Do you know? Do you I'm remember Roxanne? Roxanne, Roxanne. I'm Roxanne. ready. I'm ready. Yes, honey. Okay. You can. You should I Google yeah, her? Yes, you baby. Should Google her. <laughs> so, um, we know she was pretty much a, a one-hit wonder. Right. That song, like you said. Yeah. But in her contract with Warner Brothers, she had them write in that they had to pay for her education, and she pursued it. So she's just graduating from Cornell University with her PhD. Wow. So she is Dr. Roxanne Shantae. How old is she? 48 years old. She's 48. Wait, wait, wait. That was quick, sis. That was quick. That facial expression, what do you mean? No, what? I was just looking. I was looking it was like a 48 years old. Like I, was she's looking. No, I, no, I was looking. I just have to say because anyone who's not familiar, of, I, I'm not throwing her shade. There's nothing wrong of getting her degree at 48. But she's been around since the 80s. Mm-hmm. How old was she when she first came out? Just tell me she was. 13 or 14. She was a, she was a teen. Yeah, she was she in her was teens because it was her and the real Roxanne. Yes, no, yes, uh-huh. yes. Real they were in their teens. They were in their teens. Okay, okay. She was Roxanne shot. Tack. Mm-hmm. But the whole point, I don't want you to miss the whole point of the whole conversation, okay. is she thought, she didn't say, I want you to, you know, fly me around the world. She didn't say, get me, me a bed in the big house. Yeah. She said, pay for my she education. She was invested, right? right. She was smart. She, she saw the right door back to it, and we're not going to go into a big Monique conversation. She gambled the right type. Mm-hmm. She put the stand in the right type of place. You know, it's not about how big my fame is, whether I'm going to have another record or whatever. Mm-hmm. She had a whole lot of answer records. Mm-hmm. That's what they used to do back then. Yeah, the exactly. You know, she response. had a whole lot yeah. of response stuff. But she knew that at the end of the day, she may have even thought that rap wasn't going to go anywhere. Uh-huh. But I can guarantee that this big money people, mm-hmm. they can pay for my education. Mm-hmm. How intelligent is that? Yeah. So That's my an question to you story. guys is, have you ever done anything or um, done anything and then look back later and say, you know what, I'm so glad I was thinking. I'm so glad that I did that. I can start myself. I used to not be a big proponent of, like, renter's insurance. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I got renter's insurance, and then Nate burnt the kitchen down in the townhouse we had. It's cooking, burnt the kitchen down. I mean, we were out of the place for at least a month. We were scaring my parents. And, of course, the landlord, he milked the insurance company. But when we moved back in, the kitchen was beautiful. At the end of the lease, he kicked us out and sold the place. <laughs> but I was glad that I wasn't stuck with being responsible right. for replacing this man's <laughs> right. yeah. kitchen. So I look back on that. I was like, you know, I'm glad I get enough kept it. Mm-hmm. What about you? Anything? Um, I 
can think. Right. I can say that I was glad now that I look back that I furthered my education. Okay. Um, that's something that I never thought that I would be able to do. However, it has taken me to higher heights in my life. Mm-hmm. So um, I, looking back, I'm glad that that's something that I have done and achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, though it didn't end the way I thought it should. No, no, no. That's what that's not what she's like. It did not end the way it could have. I am glad that I decided to only uh, to pursue the only college that I really applied for mm. and not get discouraged um, when I got rejected. Um, what I, you mean? I applied to Howard University uh-huh. and um, I got this letter that said, "Thank you for applying." Yada yada yada. You know the small envelope. Mm-hmm. Oh. And, um, oh. And I said, wait a minute now. I'm graduating the top 10% of my class. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm decorated. I got all this stuff. Honors graduate. Okay, Monique. Decorated. Go ahead. Right, right. Uh-huh. That's, what, that's what I use it. Yeah. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> you know, I'm the most decorated yeah. senior. Uh-huh. You know. And I don't understand. And so I was. I called them. I said, um, you guys made a mistake. Mm-hmm. You sent me a rejection letter. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm supposed <laughs> to be a part of the graduate, you know, the uh-huh. the class of 20 um, of um, 2003. That's, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be me, mm-hmm. you know. And they said, I'm sorry, Puddin', you know, mm-hmm. that ain't your story. And I kept calling, and she was like, well, take your SATs over again. I'm like, uh, no, but I did. And um, I didn't score much higher than I did before. Anyway, I kept on, kept on, kept on. And lady calls me and says, we owe you a big apology because we somehow we got mixed up. We did see on your transcript all these Fs. Now, anyone who knows about Virginia Beach, Virginia mm-hmm. Beach school system doesn't do Fs. Right. They do E's. Mm-hmm. And she said, and we realized that the F wasn't your transcript grades. The F was um, for you to be an incoming freshman. Now, I should have known from that story that it was yeah. some good issues. Yeah. But I, I will always appreciate my persistence and my push for that mm-hmm. because it gave me the confidence to be bold in so many different areas where it did not, where the odds looked like they were against me. Mm-hmm. Face of Fox, that one did turn out a lot better mm-hmm. than, than Howard. I mean, but these things, it showed that persistence gets you what you want, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, and even if, even though I didn't graduate, I didn't get my degree from Howard, but I would have never known that they made the mistake and that the mistake wasn't me, mm-hmm. you know. And if I had believed that, I couldn't be face of Fox because I didn't have all the experience that other people had. Mm-hmm. Then I would have I wouldn't have tried for face of Fox. You know I wouldn't have um, come on these on the radio show or tried out for the rules TV show. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done any of these things. You know if it wasn't for that one moment in 1999 or 1998 that told me that I can push and I can and see. So yeah, I'm glad I did that. Wonderful because it wonderful. taught me that lesson. Did you have anything to add? Well, I just started going more public with spoken word. Mm. Um, I actually spoke at Shaw University, and I was invited by Miss Shaw herself. Oh, wow. Me and her went to high school together. She had always, you know, I'm a very humble person. This is why you should always be nice to everyone. Because, mm. I mean, I'm the same way either way. Mm. I'm just a nice, humble person. But... She noticed that I was always a smiling person, despite anything that was going on. Everybody, everyone in high school knew me because I was good at giving advice. Mm-hmm. So she saw me on Instagram. She was like, hey, I realized that you do spoken word, and I feel like we have a connection, that chemistry, mm-hmm. 
that, you know, I have my platform on sexual assault, and I would like for you to come to Shaw University and do a spoken word. Wow. So I had the opportunity to do that, and then it made me realize, like, I can do this. So I always was passionate about spoken word, but now I'm becoming more open and public about doing it. So I just started doing that. There's nothing that I'm really looking back on right now, but mm. this, I'm living that's in good. it now. That's good. Yeah, that's, good. that's good. Like, I want Will and I to start going out and on doing speaking engagements. I think that we need Right. To do Let's so. face it. You stole that. The talking. I stole it from you, yes. You stole that from me. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and I'm come back with my intimate expression question for y'all. All right. Test question. We'll be right back. You listen to I'm Let's Face to It. You're listening to Let's Face It with Will We'll be right back. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The odds of becoming a signed artist and having four number one albums. One in 100 million. The odds of going on to win seven Grammy Awards. One in 1.4 million. The odds of this performer having a child diagnosed with autism. One in 68. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org signs. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No. Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time. Leave something to remember so they won't forget I was here. Former club members Denzel Washington and Jennifer Lopez for the Boys and Girls Clubs. Every child follows a path in life. For many, that path will lead them to a door, a door that gives them a place to grow, to learn, to belong, 
a place to forge their future. For 100 years, the Boys and Girls Clubs have opened this door for America's youth. You can change a child's future. Support your local Boys and Girls Clubs. Great futures start here. To learn how you can support your local Boys and Girls Clubs, visit greatfutures.org. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the show. I made it through. My voice made it through. I'm in the studio again with my girls. Thank y'all. You're welcome. Y'all my A-team. You are welcome. My A-team. So I have my final question. This is where I prick your brain, see where your heart is. Um, so Oprah was um, promoting her movie. I love you, Oprah. I'm a, sorry. A Wrinkle in Yeah. A Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time with Ava Duver- Duverane, yes. something. Yes. Amazing, yes. They were on the Van Jones show. Mm-hmm. So um, she asked, he asked Oprah, um, if you didn't have to worry about anybody, you know, listening to your conversation, from megastar to megastar, from billionaire to billionaire, what would she say to Donald Trump? And oh, yes. she basically said nothing. You know, basically, she, she, she only, I guess, wants to speak to people who will hear her saying basically, you know, he's pretty much closed-minded. So my question to you is a kind of deviation um, from that question, but I want to ask you, is there anybody alive or dead that you would want to speak to? What would you want to talk to him about? Just one person. Gosh, that's a hard question. Ron? Okay, so <laughs> I know you said one, but I have to do two, okay. um, and I'll be real quick. Okay, so I'll start the, with... The original question was three, but I thought, you know... Right. I, see, I did my homework. You said uh-huh. we had to think about it. Yeah. So the first one, I would say, would have to be my daddy. Okay. I loved my daddy. He, he's he's passed. Um, and towards the last three years of his life, things were just really different for him. Um, and I just didn't like to... I didn't like the way he chose to live out his life in the end. Mm. So I would love to have a conversation with him of what was going through his mind. And did he give up? Um, you know, was he tired? You know, because he did so much for so many people, and then once his his health changed, I think he felt abandoned. You know, and anyway, I would just really like to know what was going on, and I would like to know. Um, I knew he was proud of me, so I don't. I don't need to hear that. Mm. But um, I would like to know what he thinks of me now. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, three years later, four year, almost four years later. What yeah. do you think now? The second person. <laughs> all you all may or may not know uh-huh. that I am one of the biggest Whitney Houston fans. No, I'm oh. the biggest Whitney Houston fan. I, I said one. That's why I said okay. one because I already knew you was going to fight me yes. for it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I said mm-hmm. one of them. Because we've gone there before. And I would ask good old Whitney Hutton, good old Nippy, I would ask her. Um, they said by the autopsy because of your long time use of drugs that it your heart just wasn't couldn't take it anymore mm-hmm. but i just personally want to know it's not my business but i just want to know that you were you still using and and if you were i just want to know why why you couldn't stop mm-hmm. why you why you couldn't stop you know i mean it was evident that it destroyed your talent your gift you know That's so sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it was even more sad to see her want it and couldn't use it. Right. Yeah. 
Like when right. she came out with Kimberell and they sang yeah. that Right. Song. That made me cry. Did you, Me too, Will. I cried. Me too. I cried. I bawled. I, I, was, I was like, I see her wanting to do it so Yes. Bad, she can't. She even, even on the movie, um, what was the Sparkle, movie? Sparkle. Sparkle. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was pushing yes. to get that voice out and it would not come. Mm-mm. You know, so those are the two people I would talk to. Wow. What about you? Um... I think one of the persons that I would talk to um, who I love so much much is uh, Martin Luther King. Mm. Oh, you took my answer. And why? the question I would ask him is why? Why? Why he sacrificed himself for so many? And where did he get that agape compassion from that is lacking and so many of us today. Um, the next person, um, you know, always my mom. Always my mom. You know, my mom is amazing. Um, I can call her at any time. Um, ask her anything. Um, hate the day that I may not be able to ask her anything. Right. But the wisdom that she has bestowed upon me thus far has helped built me and I've embraced the woman that I am today. Uh, my mother has been through a lot, but mm-hmm. through all of that, she has emerged into an amazing strong woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. Okay. How about you? Now that she took yours, you can still say it. Yeah, you can still Martin. say it. It was kind of similar to yours. I was going to ask like he led so many people, and I'm learning about him now, like, more in depth since I got into college. I'm going to take African-American history next semester. And I just would want to ask him, like, where did all the courage come from? Because, like, he was the biggest activist out at his time. And I just wanted to ask him, like, where did all the courage come from? And what took you, what what place were you at? And it took you to that gratitude that you wanted to help all those people. And not just black people, but people of all races and nationalities throughout the country, because it was a really hard time to be anything but white at that time. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask him that. The person that I'd like to question is my mom. She's a very strong woman, like I would agree with Paula. Um, she's a very strong woman. She um, owns her own business and everything, but me and her are just alike. Her struggle is just like mine. What I could honestly say is that I could see her still struggling, but I wonder is it because she's trying to, you know, be strong for us, at the same time be strong for her, because I could see that she could be so much stronger if she would let part of her past go. Because, mm. like I said, I've been through pretty much everything that she has been through. I think it makes her more proud that I'm getting through it better than she is because of the fact that she could watch me grow through it with her at my side. I just want to do the same for her as well. Hmm. You're, you know, just just inspire her that, you know what, it's okay, Mom. You know, it doesn't, you know, encouragement doesn't have to come from, you know, someone older than you. It could mm-hmm. come from someone sitting right there in front mm-hmm. of you. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And how about you, sir? Awesome. Um, I don't really have a, 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 a person. I know a, 
a mindset, a group of people who I would love to have like a panel interview with. And that's like people who have had the courage to be themselves, mm -hmm. regardless, who've been resilient. People like Ellen, people like um, Lupita Nyong'o, mm -hmm. who said that she wasn't, she wanted success like that in Hollywood, but she wasn't going to conform to having to wear the wigs and stuff. She had the courage to be herself. And it, it could have turned out that they didn't want her, that they right. rejected her. But mm -hmm. just that mindset of people who don't give a F. Right. Because I struggle with that. Um, and even though I've been seeing Cynthia, my, my therapist, since mm -hmm. January, we have breakthroughs every week. But I just want to get to a point where I'm like, you know, this is me. If you don't like it, F it. Right. Right. But Not there yet. That's your right. but happiness. That's what you really want. Yeah. That's what you're striving for. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. This is who I am. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> yeah. I, you used to have it. Um, It's Kelly Price. Right? Isn't that Kelly Price? Oh, you're talking about... Um, I thought you were talking about the one from The Greatest Show. The Greatest? Yes. Yes. This is me? Yes. 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 You like yes. that song I do. Too? I do. Yeah. I do. All right. My Sorry, spirit just blew yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in. You're Hopefully welcome. my voice will be back next week. But I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You're Please welcome. tune in next week. Thank you, Miss Paula B. You want to say anything before we go? I just had a great, amazing time. and Yes, I did. I had a like, super blast. This was very therapeutic for me. Good. I had a very rough day a couple of days i was looking forward to hanging okay. out with my friends i'm going to be okay but I, it, i've had a rough couple of days but this was like totally therapeutic and good. amazing good. good to hang out with good. my home girl over here so much chemistry y'all have right 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 yeah. right. that's my anything, dog anything um, coming up because I, I see you're doing a lot of preaching and i have been doing a lot of preaching what? because i'm getting ordained in july and so there listen you know what y'all <laughs> No, that means I won't be able to cuss on the air. Oh. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, that's the only thing that's going on with me. I'm gonna take this time and just shout out Alexis. So, Did like you I want said, to say anything? yeah. So at, she's how long is your spoken word thing? It's really short. I got it pulled up. It um, actually relates to sexual assault. Is oh, it? Could we? Could you plug that in? Does it have a, a, a jack? An earphone jack? It's not. I don't think I recorded. Yeah, no, the oh yeah, oh you pulled. Cool. I thought it was music that you were gonna say it too. Oh, okay, go no, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm. I thought you had music that you were gonna play and you were speak over it. <laughs> but go ahead. But first off, I just want to say that I am running for Miss Teen Norfolk 2018. Okay. Right. You can also follow me on my Instagram at a13xius mm -hmm. and go to click the link in my bio to go fund me. Um, my platform is Sexual Assault. The spoken word I have here is entitled Sister. Sister is a victim, lost her name to the system. Just another number, a woman who's been sexually assaulted and now is controlling her mental. Is that you, sister? See, you've been wearing this mask like you okay. Every day is a masquerade, wondering how... Can someone see a brokenness as if it were served up on a tray? When you get home, the mask comes off, and thoughts creep back in from that day like a replay. Excuse me. It's so staying in your memory, feeling like a soldier with PTSD who fought on D-Day. Hurts you down to the core. Ask God, please send me someone who will understand me. Don't know how love should feel and what love is. So you put your love on display, then you end up in disarray. Which victim are you, sister? The one in shock, weeping, or afraid? Take off your mask, sisters, and show me your name. Show me your pain. Stop hiding from the reality like it's your fault. Because you're not the one to blame. Tears streaming down your face because 
You live your life in fear and shame, want to be loved by a beloved in hopes of one day marrying, but that trauma in your head is so hard to tame. You feel so wrong to be aflame, because when you let it win you over, you can't finish it, because your mind is inflamed. Your heart is so hearty and open, soul is so pure yet broken, like a picture frame. You still cry them tears, huh? You still living in fear, huh? Wherever you go, whether it be school or work, you still wear that mask of yesterday and more days to come, huh? You're afraid, sister, and you use your name in vain because you feel helpless, but your thoughts say no more to the point where you cry, scream, and slam, lock your room door. Sister, is that you? Stand with your sisters who've been through what you've been through. Reclaim your name, sister, because it's time that you break loose, shake loose. Stop hating you for what happened to you. Stop saying you aren't worth it because reality is your struggle made, I mean, your struggle and pain makes you a stronger and better you. Stop wishing that you were normal and own it. Use it to help your sisters take back their name because the shadow man in your memories did not use your name. Sister, remember who you are. You are not a victim. You are a strong fighter and a survivor. You are who you are and who you want to be. Therefore, I call you by your name. Remember, you are not a victim. You are a victor. Awesome. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, that was nice. (laughs) You wrote that. Yes. Amazing, amazing. That's actually the one that I... That's actually the one that I read at Shawn University. Mm-hmm. Good job. Awesome. Good awesome. Job. Awesome. Everybody tune in and be blessed. All right. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Please be sure to visit us on the web at letsfaceitradio.com. And at Let's Face It Radio on Facebook for the latest in show information and exciting, innovating ways that you can be a part of the show. So tune in next week, same place, same time, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? 
Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multi-purpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multi-purpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. 